Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Now, as I said before, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find my work all at autoguide.com. But Ben, you can find his work all over the internet. So Ben, why don't you tell me where your latest bylines have been found? Uh, the the Honda issue of Super Street just hit newsstand, so you can find me there. Uh, I wrote about a really cool, really original CRX. Very cool. And we're not going to talk about that today, although we should at some point. Um, we will talk to you about some pretty cool cars that we've been testing this week, including the BMW 8 Series. Ben, take it away. So the 8 Series is a car I didn't think I would like as much as I did, Sammy. What? And why? I'm going to tell you why, because I have never been a fan of the 6 Series, with one exception. And I bet you can guess what that exception is. M6. No, no, oh. no, no. I'll give you one Oh, more. yeah, sorry. The 640 uh, Grand, what's it called? Turismo. GT. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That, the, that is the... I mean, I had this conversation with someone uh, recently this week, but just that is perhaps the most intriguing BMW in the lineup in, in, in 2018. Uh, and we did a whole show on it, and we've had people write in and tell us, actually owners write in and tell us about how much they like their 640 GT. But it's right. a total outlier. It's absolutely nothing like any of the other 6 Series. And, and when I think 6 Series, I'm not necessarily talking Grand Coupe. I'm thinking about the uh, coupe itself, the two-door, and the convertible. And, you know, they just never really spoke to me. I, I don't know how they, – they, they seemed big. They seemed heavy. Um, I know they were GT cars and they weren't meant to be sports cars, but there was something about them that I never really connected with. How did you feel about the 6 Series, Sammy? I have very limited experience with the 6 Series with it only being – I've only driven the M6, and I think I drove – Is that because you're so fancy? No, it's just that's the way things work out. In fancy land. I get it. <laughs> and I've driven that 640 GT, which I think is really cool. Um, 6 Series never really grabbed me. I always thought, I always thought that they could, have been, they could have done more to make it feel um, more luxurious, more high-end, and more high-tech. It never quite felt like it was up to the st- the the par of a seven series, for example. It was kind of kind of more like a just like a two door five series. That's exactly I mean? how I felt about it. Yeah. So when I when the when they announced the the eight fifty or the M eight fifty, which is the only model currently available, I was skeptical. I I thought, okay, we're we're getting. I guess six series two point uh, This car is going to be replacing the six. I don't think there's going to be another six coupe that's coming out, as far as I know. Um, which is a little confusing because it eight is more than seven, and six was less than seven, and seven eight nine, right? Yeah, that's why ten was terrified. But um, it's it's shuffling the nomenclature around a little bit, and I saw pictures of it, and I, I hadn't seen it in person uh, until I drove it actually. And yeah, I just let's let's start with the design. Okay, I have been uh, kind of critical about BMW BMW's latest designs. I I found that the three series is not a very pretty car. I found that the X5 is a bit derivative, and the X7. <laughs> if, if the X5 is derivative, the X7 is ultra derivative. Harsh words from Hajisad. But I found that the eight series is far more uh, attractive looking in a conventional way too. It it is a very sleek. I don't think they went too complicated with uh, its design but it is very attractive it's easy to look at i i agree with you i think there's also some intriguing aspects of the car that aren't necessarily obvious it's shorter than the six series was yeah that makes so much sense and the six series i felt looked awkward too and this looks so much better it looks so elegant and i'm very happy that 
there's some design going on at PMW, at least when it comes to the 8 Series. Elegant is a good word. Uh, it's 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 almost two inches shorter than the 6 Irreplaceable. Wow. And most of that's in the wheelbase. Um, so mm. it, it, you'd think that when you get inside, you're like, oh, maybe this is going to be more cramped. It doesn't feel that way, in fact. And I think, a, I think the interior is really up there. Not just in terms of quality, but it felt comfortable. I felt like I could see outside of the car, and I felt like I was driving something special. And and one of the things that was unusual about this is the seating position is so different from a sedan. It, it instead of being upright and on a perch, when when I got into the car for the first time, I I sank way back into the car mm-hmm. and down low, and that was not something I was used to from a BMW. And it set the tone for kind of the experience of the car. And and like you said, the, the, the lines on the car, they're elegant. They flow very well. There's nothing particularly eye-catching about it. But when you look at it, it, it feels like a high-end vehicle. It has that visual presence without mm-hmm. being uh, in your face about it. Okay. So, Ben, I'm going to let loose a secret that I've been holding since the start of this podcast. I told you. I have, I have <laughs> driven in 8 Series, but not the same 8 Series that you drove. In fact, I drove the M850 X-Drive Cabriolet, which is the drop-top version of the car, and um, I have some mixed feelings about it. I do think that it has a fantastic uh, interior and exterior. I'm not sure I'm not sure how much I enjoyed it as a whole. So let's keep going on with, with I love, first of all, I loved what you explained, this low seating position is a fantastic feel in a car that, that that is really this big is meant to be a kind of cruiser and yeah. this didn't feel like that when you sat nice and low it felt like a sports car in some ways yeah it, it was a good way to differentiate the car from the its platform mates i thought and uh it, when you have a car like this there's no there's no uh um, logical reason to purchase a, an enormous coupe. Like, even though it's shorter yeah. than the 6, it's still really big. Uh, this is a car you buy because you're passionate about some aspect of the vehicle, whether it's how it looks, how it drives, or with the image that it presents. So you want to make it feel special. Uh, you have to get people in the car and you have to keep them there by creating a mystique or an image around the vehicle. Because, no, you know, you're not hauling kids home from soccer and you're not it's not necessarily a commuter car i mean you could totally do that so i think that that's that's something successfully done with the 8 series i mean it's all status to me this is a car that's meant to to portray a status of where you are in in life where you plan on going in life and i don't think it's meant to be a commuter car or a family car in any way or form i think this is a a long road trip sort of car that you can enjoy it's like a it's like a land yacht you know what i mean yeah it it, it is i mean it's the the evolution of that because you know it's not quite as it's not to say yacht i think implies that this right, vehicle is course. ponderous and that's where i was going to go with, with the next thing i wanted to talk about is, is how well it drives and you'll notice it has the m850 in the name right it's not an mm-hmm. m8 it's not a true m car whatever that even means anymore i don't want to get into that debate but it's supposed to be sporty in a, in a way that a standard what i'm assuming the 840 won't be when that comes out and uh, from a power perspective, it's all there. It has 523 horsepower, which is a lot more than you'll get in an M550. Uh, I think it's mm. almost 70 horsepower more. And um, it's way more than you got in the old 6 Series. So already y- you've got a-, a bonus going there. There's 553 pound-feet of torque. It has a great 8-speed automatic transmission. Uh, it's mm. the same ZF unit they've been using across the board for BMW. And it's it, like you said, your 
Cabriolet has X-Drive, my coupe had X-Drive, but it's a rear-biased all-wheel drive system. Mm -hmm. And that actually stood up while I was driving it because there were several rainy days um, when I was had the car in my driveway and I took it out and I hammered on it a little bit. And dynamically, it does feel like a rear-wheel drive car and it will let you step out if you want to. Wow. It, it um, does, and one more thing, Sammy. It does 0 mm -hmm. to 60 in 3.6 seconds. It weighs 4,500 pounds. Sheesh. And the cab actually does it in 3.9. I'm, and I think we've we've discussed this. Anything below four seconds is a very very fast car. Yeah, it it's unreasonably absurd. fast. <laughs> Unreasonable is a good word. <laughs> Even though it weighed forty five hundred pounds, it still had a carbon unpainted carbon fiber roof. At least my my tester did, which I think it's an option. So there's no mm -hmm. sunroof. And when I was in the car, I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm spending over a hundred grand on a car and I don't get a sunroof. And then I got out and I looked and I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to tell you that um, the model I had didn't have as as uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe whimsical or luxurious or exciting of an interior than I was expecting for a car that costs over one hundred thousand dollars. It's a very clean interior, and I really do like the use of uh, BMW's now. I guess it's coming almost in every vehicle. This digital gauge cluster. It's a large screen with a lot of information on it right in front of the driver. Yeah, I think it looks. I think it looks fine, and, and it's complemented by a pretty big head-up display as well. Right, but I found the rest of the vehicle to be. It's tough to back this up, but I found the rest of the vehicle to be really kind of um, lackluster in terms of really this this wow factor. Well, I'm, and not, I'm not there with you. Like, what specifically is is holding back the car? Do you think? I think there's some trim that really didn't stand out to me. It looked really pedestrian, kind of like wood grain or aluminum uh, aluminum um, design. The seats didn't have you know that really fantastical quilted pattern that you see in some other automakers, um, and it's just sound I know it sounds like nitpicking but when you're spending a lot of money on one of these vehicles it it sh everything should make you feel in like special and I've brought this up with you in private um, when talking about the 8 series but I found that the Lexus LC500 had a far more like exciting interior and when you looked at it inside and outside you were like holy cow this is a car that's worth six figures however there are other point parts of the lexus where it just does not compare they're like the infotainment system and some of the the controls for the car are are really wacky feeling in the lexus when comparison to the to the, oh, yeah, the, the, the lc 500's infotainment system is horrendous yeah, it's it is horrible but there's i i i don't agree with you on the interior of the bmw um you know, you look at the LC, and mm -hmm. for those of you who are familiar with the car, it's it's a direct competitor to the to the eight series. It's a large luxury coupe. Mm -hmm. It's sporty without being without being a sports car. There's some weird stuff in the interior there too, like that strange knob that sticks out beside the binnacle where the gauge yeah. cluster is, where you where you twist it and stuff happens. Like I think it's I want to say it's the traction control knob. I'm not sure. There's one on each side, and I can't remember what they do. It does have the, the Lexus does have a great interior aside from little weird things like that, plus the absolutely terrible worst in the industry infotainment system. No, I'm not. I'm not even exaggerating. I, no, it's no, not you're a right. Secret. <laughs> it's I, not. Uh, man, I'm looking at. I'm reminding myself of this interior because I'm. I'm worried that I'm wrong, but I'm right, man. The Lexus. In, the Lexus interior is insanely okay. cool. The Lexus interior is is great, but. I really like the 8 Series interior, especially at sure. night, because they're doing so much great stuff with ambient lighting in this car. It just felt special while I was cruising around. It really felt like I was driving something that most other people weren't. Okay. And I, I will hand it to you. A lot of the switchgear 
feels it looks and feels like it comes from other BMWs, especially on the center console where you have the crystal shifter with the iDrive knob beside it. Um, I will say this, even though the buttons for the uh, drive control, like sport mode, comfort mode, look exactly like what you'd see in a 3 Series, the materials used in the 8 Series are much nicer. Right. Uh, so it, it feels like an upgrade when you touch it compared to lesser BMWs, but there is a lot of similarities. And I don't think that's true in the Lexus. I think the LC does stand apart from other Lexi in the family. Okay. Um, the do, do you think those that crystal shifter and uh, nav, that, like infotainment knob is getting played out, or do you love seeing that? I, I think we've talked about this in the past when we were talking about the X5 and the X7. I think it looks like it came from Forever 21 a little bit. It's, oh, yeah. it, it's a little sparkly, especially when it's lit up at night. I don't have a problem with it. I just don't know if it's as classy as the rest of the interior. Um, it's, I've been blinded by it. I mean, like, light hit it and it, right? I, so it's, I was like, <laughs> But uh, it, 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 I don't know. It, it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird. Um, it stands apart from other elements in the interior, which is you really notice the crystal shifter. So okay, I don't we've, know if that's we've, good we've or bad. avoided one of the biggest talking points about the BMW 8 Series is just how much how rewarding it is to drive for a car that's this big, right? Like it's it's surprisingly rigid and capable on the road. There is so much. I mean, you mentioned the all-wheel drive system is very good and has that rear bias that's uh, that's kind of engaging. But I think as a whole, the car feels not like. You know, big cars can sometimes feel like the front end and the rear end are kind of disconnected in a way because there's just so much space between the two the two ends. But this thing felt like one solid piece of car, and I loved driving it. It really did. And, uh, you you know, those drive modes I was mentioning, when you put it in Sport Plus, you can set it in individual to do this as well. But the, the exhaust note that comes with the car on downshifts mm-hmm. and, and the crackling and whatnot, it's a lot of fun to have that in a big car. I mean, this is a big car with a big personality, and I wanted it to have a big sound from the tailpipes. And it delivers on that. That uh, eight-cylinder that eight cylinder is really good, too. It's I, a great engine. It's super smooth. And if you don't want to be obnoxious in it, you don't have to be. It's not like one of those cars that you have to like rev up to get anything out of. And it's not always really loud. Once you put it in that comfort mode, it's not going to be screaming or, bu- or bu- popping or burbling. And it sounds very nice. The max torque comes on at 1800 RPM. So you, you really do not have to wind it out. Um, I'm going to say something. I, I did not drive the car on a racetrack. I know some people have when they did the launch. That was a big part of it. But I'm going to say something that might be controversial, <laughs> at least to you, Sammy. And to that, me? Yes. Of all people? I think just to me. Just, well, not just to you. But I think that the 850i is as good as the M2. What? As a car. Oh, yeah, okay. You measure, First of all, you gauged me perfectly. What are you talking about? <laughs> As a car. I think that both of these cars are one, two, the best cars BMW makes right now. And for different reasons, but similar feel in the sense that they both have a personality that is different from the rest of the family. They both have a personality that is different from their competitors. And I think they're actually both special cars. And I enjoyed driving both of them. Okay. That's a great – okay, you've, 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 you've backed it up really well. The M2 is a very special car. It always feels special. It feels like you're driving something that's tailored – that's like built around you and is like telepathically connected to you in, in your desires on the road. It is so fast. It is so capable. It's so much fun to drive. 
The 8 Series, I don't know if I had as much fun driving it, but I understand what you mean by it having a different personality from everything else that BMW makes. It doesn't feel like an appliance. It doesn't feel like it's just checking off a bunch of boxes for its customers. This is a real BMW in its own way, and I think that's what you're trying to get at, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's These are cars that – I mean for – you know – in the last little while, I've driven so many SUVs from BMW, the X5 and the X7. And yeah, we talked about them at length on past podcasts. And they're fine. Do we have for... to talk about them some more because you're talking about them some no, more. No, I'm, I'm just referencing them. And I'm referencing them. Referencing. <laughs> why can't I say reference? Oh, my goodness. Referencing them. That, that was not right either. <laughs> I am bringing them up <laughs> to say that they're good at what they do. But they're not passionate vehicles, and I don't right. think they necessarily represent the brand other than being competent. But I think that the 8 and the M2 are cars that maybe no other car company could have built. I wonder if we're now starting to see a better um, representation of what BMW can do with cars. You know, people have been thinking that, you know, SUVs are the future, but it allows that – it means that automakers have to do more to make their cars stand out and really have personality to drive. And I think more and more cars are getting there. I've mentioned that the 3 Series, which I spent a a very short period of time with on a launch event, was better than it used to be. Significantly better than it used to be. And the Z4 isn't bad at all. Z4. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. The Z4. Um, And I'm I'm referencing those cars because it just means that BMW might have their, their... they're ducks in a row here when it comes to how they want their their cars to drive and what kind of personality they want to exude with those cars because they're so different than what their SUVs are and their SUVs are getting pretty good too. Yeah, and I don't I don't need an SUV with personality because I don't think that that's something that's real. I think it's very rare to have an SUV with personality, and I think only a few brands manage that. I, mean, I think well, really- BMW did it with the X2 M35i. I guess so. That's is that an SUV or a hot hatch? No, see, that's that a hot hatch. It's not a real SUV. I think Land Rover makes SUVs with personality, right? Uh, but they've been doing it forever, and I think Jeep does it as well. But again, they've been doing it forever. But anyway, it's not really what we're talking about. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love I, name dropping Jeep in our podcast. Yeah, because we, the, every the time I say down. Jeep, we get fifty-five cents. Ching! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Through an elaborate banner sharing system. <laughs> Three coins somehow end up in our pocket. Two quarters and a nickel. <laughs> um, now nah, we're not on. We're not. We're not in the in the tank for Jeep for fifty five cents. Don't worry about oh. that. Uh, I don't. Not that anyone was worried. But yeah. So I I'm I'm very happy with the car. I I'm surprised by how much I liked it. I was ready to just write it off as a just another large, comfortable kind of numb Grand Tourer. You can find those everywhere. And it's not nothing like that. And I'm excited to see what the M8 is going to be. Although, you know what? Realistically, this car weighs 4,500 pounds. Um, I don't know if the M8 is going to be a, a focused sports car. And maybe it shouldn't try to be. Maybe the M850 is the ultimate evolution of this formula. And I would be totally happy if that was true. Okay. Uh, one of the things that really made me like really interested in the BMW 8 Series was the technology. Um, not just the driving dynamics, but... Just the way they package everything around you and how you how much stuff there is to enjoy. The driver assistance features are actually pretty good. Um, I don't know if yours was uh, was kind of heavy handed or not. I found it was a really good assistance on the road, and it's perfect for a a, a long 
road trip. It, it was fairly transparent when I was driving it. Uh, I normally turn all of that off, and the few times that I noticed it happening, like the lane keep assist, for example, mm. in the 8 series, it was so rare that I didn't want to go through the bother of going through all the menus to try and turn it off, so I just I just let it slide. I, that's I, actually I, a positive. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like It, it wasn't in your face. Uh, one problem I did have with the car that was exceedingly frustrating at first because I didn't understand what was happening. So this car comes with the giant remote, uh, oh. that a lot of the high-end BMWs have. For those of you who aren't familiar, the, the seven touchscreen one, yeah, the touchscreen ones, the seven, the eight, the X seven, I think the five can get it. Mm. It's like a big hunk of plastic that has a screen on it, and you can do stuff like set the climate control and time the time when it comes on and all this stuff, and check if the doors are locked. Things you don't need to do. Uh, the problem with this this hunk of plastic is it runs out of battery yeah. <laughs> really quickly if you don't charge it via USB, something you've probably never thought you'd have to do with a key fob, or like charge it in the car itself. Mm. The thing, other thing with it is it doesn't have a loop for you to put it on a keychain. So you always have to carry this and your phone and yeah. your wallet, whatever yeah. else you got in your pocket. So anyway, that's not really the problem I have. But those are just generic problems that this particular key fob has, in, in my opinion. But BMW has this new system on the on the 2019 model year cars, and I think maybe some of the 2018s, where it has an automatic start system. But there's no button. When I say automatic start, I mean remote start. But there's mm-hmm. no button on the key fob that says remote start. How it works is you push the lock button three times. And it will start the car. This is oh. a problem if you're like me. And, and you don't know? And you're obsessive compulsive about locking a car as you walk away from it. And maybe you do it 9 to 16 times in your pocket while you walk into the house. <laughs> and as you're doing this, you're startled by the sound of a 500 horsepower V8 roaring to life behind you. You have to... Then how, do you, how do you calm it down? You have to get over there. You have to get over there, and everyone's staring at you because you're an idiot, and you get in the car and turn it off and walk away, and it happens again, and you don't know what's happening, and you start looking at the touchscreen, and you're like, am I sliding my finger on something on the touchscreen? Is that what it's doing? Uh, what, what What's happening here? And then after the fourth day of doing this, you finally ask some friends, and they explain the system to you, and you can go into iDrive and turn it on and off. It's like four menus deep into iDrive to tr- it's called preconditioning preconditioning yeah because right. yeah you know remote start is too simple <laughs> but uh i i've had this happen on an 8 series and a 3 series and i didn't know and i felt uh. so dumb and i think you should probably mark a button that that will start the car as being capable of starting the car especially if it does something else that's really important like locking the car <laughs> So we need dedicated keys for things that are important, like uh, starting the engine. Yeah, I mean, does that seem so unreasonable? Like, every other car company has that. I want to talk to you about the engine uh, ignition and, and um, what do you call it? Automatic start-stop. This yeah. car has, like, the, it's, it, it, can, it does something very clever with the automatic start-stop. I don't know if you've ever noticed the engine start-stop while you're driving. Yes, because it's a big, loud V8. But did you notice it being late or early with the way it turns on and off? Uh, and and I know it's probably a, a very weird note to have, because my experience with it with it was it wasn't ever late. And the reason I found out is that it turns on and off its um, its engine based on a number of conditions, not just whether your foot is on the brake or not. It actually uses the like the radars, like the parking sensors and the cameras in the car to determine whether or not the cars around it are moving 
And if the car in front of you has started going, it'll figure, it'll fire up the engine um, in anticipation of you following along. Which I, it, it's, it, there's some clever stuff going on. I, like I said, there's a really good technology in this car, and I found the driver assistance features, like the adaptive cruise control, which can cu- bring the car to a stop, hold it there for as long as it needs to be held. So if you're at a stop sign or a stop light behind somebody else, um, it'll stay stopped until the light turns green and the person in front of you goes, and you don't even need to press a button to get going again. And I thought that was so impressive. How long do you need to be held, Sammy, on average? Um, well, okay. So the, the reason I brought that up is because I was stopped by a construction, uh, a construction worker, like a flag man at a construction site or something like that. Um, and he had held us there for what felt like about five or six minutes. It was a long time. And I thought that I would have to, you know, do something, turn the, to press resume on the button, on the, what a hassle. On the steering. <laughs> I know, but, uh, it worked no problem. I thought that was really impressive. So it's a pretty – I'm I'm positive about BMW's 8 Series. It's a very expensive car. I don't – I personally don't know if the interior is as spectacular as that price point dictates. $111,900. That's the And 121000 for the Cabrio. Okay. Okay? And I'm not sure if that's really worth it, but the rest of the car is a very good package, and it paints a good picture for what BMW is doing when they have an unlimited budget for their cars. <laughs> so I, I want to shift gears a bit, and we've been talking about the you know a Halo car at the top of a luxury car company's lineup. I want to talk mm-hmm. about an entry-level car at another luxury car company. And that's okay, go the, ahead. That's the 2019 Cadillac XT4. Okay. Now, this... the X, so <laughs> you're familiar with the XT4, Sammy? The XT4 is there is a is a small car. I think it's meant to compete with vehicles like the BMW X1 and the Audi Q3. It's um and it uses a new four cylinder engine, right? Yeah, well, it's a it's a two liter four cylinder. It is new. Uh, it's turbocharged. You get two hundred thirty seven horsepower and two hundred fifty eight pound feet of torque. That comes in even lower than the eight series, <laughs> fifteen hundred <laughs> RPM. Um, and you get uh, Cadillac says almost all of that is available all the way up to five thousand RPM. So it's okay. it's. You know, it's decently endowed. It's it's another one of those, is this a hatchback? Is this a crossover? Although I kind of think it airs a little more on the crossover side because it, it is fairly tall and it's chunky looking. It's 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 got broad shoulders. Uh, it's not as sleek as, you know... Say it's like, a striking-looking vehicle. You'll notice it. It's, I don't know if it's pretty or not, but you'll definitely notice it, right? Yeah, well, it's got the, the Cadillac front end uh, with the, the big LED lights, um, mm-hmm. the, the running lights that go up the fender and then, like, down the side of the hood kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, yeah, you're right. In certain colors, especially, it is it is somewhat striking. And this is something that Cadillac has never had in their lineup before. This is almost a subcompact in terms of size. It's mm-hmm. much smaller than the X-T5. And this is new ground for them. So it's not new ground for GM because they've got lots of small crossovers at this point. But can they make a small Cadillac that's a convincing Cadillac? We've never had a Cadillac this small that was great. That We had the Cimarron in the 80s, which was essentially a Chevy Cavalier. And that was the last time Cadillac tried to make a, a real small car. Thank um, goodness. I don't, I don't even <laughs> think the, the, the Catera in the 90s would count. It's not, not quite small enough. Uh, okay, but this car it also has a really reasonable price point at thirty around thirty six thousand dollars if I remember correctly. Yeah, but that's the base price. I mean, we're in a luxury right. segment. Base price doesn't mean a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. You can option this thing out to be quite expensive if you want it to be, depending on yeah. how much tech and gear you want to load into it. But is there I, a lot to pick from? Because I mean, I always figured that sometimes like um, entry level vehicles sometimes hold back on all the special features. But I guess what else is there in the like? For example, does it have Super Cruise? 
I don't think it has Super Cruise. Uh, Though the version that I had. That's a huge myth. I, I think the only Super Cruise equipped vehicle is the CT6. Is that not? Why correct? are they holding on to it so so tightly with that CT6? <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's the, the story. I don't know. Um, <laughs> is it in the XT6? Is it, can no. it come? It's not. No. I haven't driven that vehicle yet, so I, I no. don't know. But uh, I, I, you know what, Sammy? I was disappointed in this vehicle. I can hear it in your voice, and I'm me personally. I'm having a tough time asking you something good to say. Like I'm asking for conversation. When we do these podcasts, I, sometimes I like to trigger a question to figure out more about the car. But you're and afraid of what's going to come pouring out of me. I actually understand. know. I don't even know what's worth talking about. Is it the new engine with 237 horsepower? That's not a lot of horsepower. They used to have a two liter four cylinder that makes 270 horsepower or something. Yeah. Yeah, Why is it that in this car? <laughs> well, I think the answer to that is fuel economy. Uh, okay, it's... let's look at the fuel economy numbers. So I'm actually, you know, I'm looking at the, the options right now. You're asking about tech. 24 and miles per gallon combined. <laughs> That's not that great. That's, no, it's not for a vehicle this size. <laughs> so this vehicle comes with uh, the one that I had, had the hands-free tailgate, a head-up display, um, had a special gauge cluster that was, you know, it was 8 inches LCD. You can do configure it and stuff. Um, wireless charging. You can get a sport suspension on it. It's from the Sport Dynamic Package with much larger rims, like 20-inch rims if you're into that. Um, There's a thing called the Enhanced Visibility Package, which my car had, and that uh, gives you uh, the rear camera mirror that's in a lot of Cadillacs, which I do not like and turned off immediately. Um, But it does have a surround camera, which was cool. Uh, You get to see an automatic parking, which I never use. It never Um, works. Uh, if you start adding all this stuff, though, uh, you're very quickly at $50,000. Excuse you? Yeah, and uh, you, you get advanced adaptive cruise control, Sammy. It's not quite as... Uh... What's advanced adaptive What's advanced adaptive cruise it control? It does advanced stuff, man. Okay. <laughs> Plus, it, you get forward and reverse automatic braking. You, you start to add that kind of safety stuff. So, like, if you're okay, backing cool. up and someone runs behind you, it, it'll stop automatically and scare the crap out of you. Because like, every time a car... Whenever a car automatically brakes in reverse, it, it terrifies it me. So, it does it so abruptly. It is so abrupt. It, it's it, like it you know when you were hit something. When you're, it's exactly it. I automatically think I've just killed someone, like because it's it's super abrupt, and you don't you don't see as well out the back as you do out the front, right? So you're not as aware of your surroundings. So the possibility of like manslaughter is always lingering, but it feels very much like when you were a kid and you would stop suddenly and your mom or dad would like throw their arm across your chest and like slam you back into your seat. So you would absolutely, it's exactly like that. Um, So I want to know, like, what is it about this vehicle that it excels at or doesn't? Because from what I've talked about my, with my colleagues, it's a very average vehicle. And that doesn't cut it in a in the luxury car, car segment. No, average is a good word for it. I was very let down by a few things. Primarily okay. the drivetrain. It is not that smooth. New, it's a nine-speed automatic with that two-liter four-cylinder. Exactly. And it has an all a part-time all-wheel drive system as an option. Okay. So you were again in, a, in the interest of fuel savings to get yeah. you twenty-four miles. <laughs> twenty-four miles per gallon. Miles per gallon. Every one of those MPGs is hard-earned, my friend. Um, the problem is, if you're in just various driving modes, right? If you're in touring, touring mode, touring, 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 touring. Are you referencing something else? No, I'm not. <laughs> Don't goad me into saying that word. The, if you're in touring mode, it's in two-wheel drive. 
And you can mm. turn all-wheel drive on if you want, but default, it's front-wheel drive at that point. Okay. If you're in sport mode, it's all-wheel drive. And if there's a there's a, an, a winter kind of-ish mode that puts all-wheel drive on as well. So right away, that's confusing, I think, to the majority of crossover buyers. I think if you buy an all-wheel drive crossover in the luxury segment, you expect it to always be all-wheel drive all the time. Am I wrong about that? Uh, I think – I don't know if you're wrong about it. I don't expect that, but – you're a professional um, maybe, journalist. Sure. I mean, like, if I buy a car and it says all-wheel drive on the back and I'm out driving and I get into an accident because the all-wheel drive system wasn't on, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that would upset me. I think it's different than four-wheel drive in a pickup where you know you have to shift because – and even then, most most uh, pickup trucks have, you know, all-wheel drive that is shift not shift on the fly, but is continuously in, there in the background lurking and mm-hmm. ready to engage the front axle. So I thought that was a little weird. The other thing about it is it's not smooth at all. Uh, the throttle is extremely touchy. Sport mode, it, it, it's it, it's tough. Uh, the vehicle, it, it, the sport mode is good because all-wheel drive is on and there's less wheel spin. And in, okay. like, you leave it in front-wheel drive, like in touring mode, and you get on the throttle too hard through an intersection a couple of times. Just because it was a little bit cold out, wasn't wasn't wet or anything, the front wheels were just spinning like crazy. And I looked like I was a maniac, like trying to just like make this right turn or left turn. <laughs> and I, I didn't intend to, to put on a show for everyone that was around me, but there's just it, – it felt really very abrupt. And the nine-speed automatic, when it downshifts as well, it's noticeable and it's jerky. And I was really uh, surprised by that. You can't have that in a in a small luxury vehicle. It just doesn't work. Okay, I'm going to backtrack. I know I said an average of 24 MPG is not that great. It is about on average what you can get in this class. Some can get as, as much as 27 or 26, like the Volvo XC40. Which is and, a great SUV. Yeah, and then if you really are going for MPGs, the Lexus NX uh, 300 hybrid is probably your best pick. It gets 31 miles per gallon combined. So... It seems like a huge compromise, though. Like they're not even they're not even competitive with some of the best. They're in there, but it seems like if you wanted more power, you could have you could have done that. Or if you no. wanted an all time all wheel drive system, they could have done that, right? I think they're in there is the perfect description of this vehicle's market position. I think this is something that Cadillac felt it had to build, wasn't necessarily given enough time to make it truly their own, and we end up with something that's fine but isn't inspiring and has some drawbacks. So what is so Cadillac about this? I mean, what about that infotainment system? They, they've had that really neat infotainment system or some of the switch gear has been kind of nice. It's not totally like GM parts, man. I had some issues with it being laggy over Bluetooth with my phone where it what? wasn't it wasn't necessarily showing what was actually playing on the phone. It would take a few minutes to do that. Um, oh, uh, totally, totally. Uh, I'm going to backtrack back to the 8 Series. Okay. Have you noticed that the new BMW infotainment system, the, the new version of iDrive, if you're listening on Spotify, for example, it counts the seconds by three. No. <laughs> so it'll go 203, 206, 209, <laughs> 212, like on a track that you're listening to, no weird. matter what display. It is kind of weird. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Some Someone, that was a choice <laughs> someone made. <laughs> Um, but with the Cadillac, I would often – it wouldn't show at all what I was playing. It would show what I had been playing like three songs ago if I skipped ahead and then uh-huh. it would maybe catch up like 30 seconds into the song. I was a little disappointed by that. Also, the interior material interior materials, not great. Not, not anything special. And you're not going to get anything special at this part of the market. 
Are you is- kidding? You just said fifty-five, uh, almost $55,000 for a fully loaded model. You're telling yeah. me nothing special is coming out of this? Can you name a very small luxury crossover you've driven where you were blown away by the interior? Very easily. Infinity QX50. QX50 is not the same class as XT4. It's class above. I think above. they're close. No, I think it's they're a close. lot bigger. It is a lot bigger, my friend. Uh, XC40. Okay. Volvo XC40. XC40 is also a lot bigger. What? You're, con- you're, con- no, you're confusing me with Q- an XC60. This is a Q3. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? XC40, yeah, I, I think, is a Q5 competitor. Okay. I mean, in my I opinion. think that's a Volvo XC60. Yeah, maybe. Volvo's kind of a little bit of a tweener. Right. Because uh, XC40 would also go up against the, the X3. And the I, X1. And the X1. So that's, so that's strange. X1, not X3. It goes up against the X3. X1, man. So what's the, what's the uh, XC60 going up against? That's the X3 and the, GL, the Mercedes GLC. I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, do I? <laughs> I know you do. You know plenty. I'm just re- referencing other vehicles in the market. Man. You're just saying names and confusing <laughs> me. I am. Okay, all right. So Also, the- I just want to reference one of the best <laughs> – one of the best feedbacks we've ever gotten about the show was an iTunes uh, review we got a few weeks ago where someone said the show is terrible because Sammy's so kind and knows so much about cars, but Ben just spends the whole episode being ignorant and mocking Sammy. <laughs> that never happened. And, and I was like, I had to really reevaluate my life at that point because I was like, no. is this true? Am I really that horrible? And I am horrible, but... Not to that degree. It's just funny because what I love about that review, and I mentioned this to Sammy when we read it together over the phone while doing our nails, was that it it, it postulates a world where we're just doing this podcast out of hate. <laughs> like, yeah, we just keep doing it. Like we hate each other, but we keep doing it. And not because we enjoy it, but because it's my time to just tear into Sammy once a week. Yeah, and of course, I don't. I'm just too kind to say no. I guess we're doing this again. <laughs> Sammy's life is in shambles because he drops everything every time I want to eviscerate him on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, I forgot how we got to this, but uh, I thought that was funny. That's okay. Thank all you right. for the feedback. We appreciate all feedback. So let's before we end the podcast, I want to tell you one thing I did because I like to talk to. Oh, uh, I went to the XT4. Is that, is that I, there's nothing positive to say about the XT4. There's uh, barely anything space, negative to say about the XT4. Cargo space isn't bad, I guess. Um, <laughs> it doesn't That's look tough. bad. It, it's it's just it's it's average where it should have been great. I guess. I don't know. Maybe my expectations are too no, high. No, but like no, but let's let's let's. Let's take a breath and say, if you were if you were GM or if you were a customer, what would you want or what could you have done better, right? Like, I think a customer would have preferred a, pre- a premium car needs to feel like a premium car on the road. When you put your foot down, it needs to feel like that. It needs to not feel like the, the front or the rear end is going to slip. It's not like a, a reactive all-wheel drive system. It needs to have a ton of power and torque. Um, 237 is not cutting it to me. I want more. I definitely want more. But we've proven that the the drivetrain setup can't handle more. I mean, if it's spinning tires with the level of power it has now, 
Imagine if you had more. I mean, maybe that's why. That that nine speed automatic also can't cut it. We need smooth shift. It's a luxury product. Yeah, those are that's the two big areas that the vehicle has to improve on. And I I think that it just needs a more special interior as well. Especially if, as you pointed out and named a long list of vehicles that I may not have even known existed, fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money to spend and not be impressed. I'll say the XC40 is is a true competitor to this. The XC40 destroys almost every other competitor, you know, and it, that proves that you can do a lot for a, a, a more modest amount of money. Mm-hmm. All right. This doesn't look neat at all. And if that infotainment system, which I thought was one of Cadillac's, um, uh, it's one of the strongest points. I know some people didn't like Q, but I think it's an e- it's an infotainment system that's easy to get to know. Um, but if it's not improved then what's the point here? Like, what are we, what are we playing around with, right? Yeah. So you okay. were saying you had a segue and I interrupted it. That's okay. I went to the New York Auto Show, the 2019 New Humble York Auto brag. Show. It was in New York City. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Okay. Which is a very large city, Ben. Do you have any idea how large this city is? Is it, Actually, fancy? It's is it as fancy as you are? No. It's, uh, it's fancier than me, for sure. Wow. But the funny thing is New York feels very large, but I walked everywhere, and now my feet hurt. Aww. Okay. The New York Auto Show was actually pretty neat this year. Uh, I know every time an auto show occurs, like, you'll probably hear some whining from auto journalists saying, you know, the auto show is dead. There's nothing interesting coming around. Um, I don't think that's true. I think there was there were a couple of really cool uh, concept cars, some interesting limited edition vehicles, and... Um, some pretty important uh, production vehicles that debuted as well. So, are you ready for the I, I'm New York ready Auto for Show the 2019 New York Auto Show Lightning Round? Sammy, hit me with the most interesting stuff you saw at the show. Go. Okay. The there's a new Kia concept car. Hey now, it's called the. You're gonna love this. Have Nero. All right. What makes it cool other than it, the name, <laughs> which is so yeah, cool? The name, the name is great. It's a self-driving concept car with an advertising range of 300 miles. Um, it's about Wait, it drives itself for 300 miles, and then what happens? <laughs> and then you're there. You're where you're at. All right. It has accurate like, two sets of butterfly doors, I believe. Can you? So the front doors and the rear doors are butterflies, so they flip up, which is cool. Follow-up question: Can you slice someone's arms and legs off at the same time with the butterfly doors coming down like that? I, you know, it's called the Habanero, which means that, you know. We also habanero. would have accepted Habo Wasabi. <laughs> or Nero Sabi. Nero Sabi. Um, and I don't know whether or not, but it looks it looks so cool. It's a neat car. I don't know why they call it a Habanero, because it doesn't really share anything with the Nero other than maybe the fact that it has some electric driving range. It's so not happening that I love it. Like, it's All right. so not a real car. And they they make it, like. They're 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 upfront about it. Like there's nothing about this that's true. It's as if they're like, we wanted to make a concept car, so we did. <laughs> All right, second number two, second thing that blew you away, New York Auto Show. Go. Genesis Mint concept. What? Yeah. Tell me more. This is a two-seat vehicle that doesn't have a traditional um rear. Uh I don't know how to describe this. Doesn't have a traditional trunk. Instead, it has Two butterfly doors. What? That that open up over the hatch area. Okay, like clamshell doors, I guess. Yes. And can you slice someone's arms off with these doors? No, nobody's reaching in and out of there. Okay. 
it's got a really nice interior, although some of the uh, the controls are like humorously disproportionate. Um, <laughs> like like the gas, price style, or like the gas pedal and the and the brake pedal are like super large. Um, and they showed me the a very interesting concept of you know when you get in the car, they say the, it's an entire bench. The seat, the front seats are an entire bench. And when you get in the car, this made no sense to me. But the bench will swivel towards the person getting into the car, which makes me a Confused as to what happened. What if two people try to get yeah. in at the same time? Does it just split in the middle and tear itself apart? I hope so. Wow. It has 200 miles per range um, and 350 kilowatt fast charging, apparently. What happens after 200 miles? It's it, The habanero kicks in and <laughs> we'll, we'll pick you up. It was a really cool looking car. It's really um, interesting. I had a really good conversation with Genesis about um their design language and what they're doing um going forward and they were this is the words that they used you haven't yet seen genesis is genesis's full um design language all of the cars that you see are production cars all of our production cars you see still have ties to when we were just starting the brand and they were still a part of uh hyundai so the g80 and G, g90 which were essentially the hyundai genesis and the hyundai equus are are kind of derivative from that era when they were Hyundais. So when are, we say, gonna, when are they going to show their cards? Because it's late in the game, guys. <laughs> they say it's going to happen this year in Seoul um, with their SUV. They say all of the things that you might have been noticing about the um, concept vehicles, which is the way that they do their headlights and taillights and some of the big wheels that they have, the very unique designs that they have put in there, this is going to be in a production car, their SUV first which is coming this year. And it's a bespoke platform, brand new platform. And uh, they're pretty stoked about it. They say they're taking their time because they don't want to mess this up, which okay. is a fair point. All right. Now, one more. That was a very long lightning round. One more. One more lightning round. No, two more, please. Two more lightning round. Okay. And the third thing that you saw, New York Auto Show 2019 and go. 2020 Subaru Outback. Uh... Okay, yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, it's it just you're not leading off strong here. Okay, is it, so is it new? Is it better? What's all the deal? New. All new. Okay, except for uh oh, the look <laughs> is very similar to the old one as usual. <laughs> okay, the base engine is a 2.5 liter four cylinder that makes 182 horsepower. Okay. But you can get it now with a 2.4 liter turbo. Woo! How many horsepower makes, in that? 216, 277 pound feet that's not bad. I mean, oh, you wouldn't like that great. in an XT4, but you're okay with that in an Outback. <laughs> the XT4 makes less. And why do you keep bringing up the XT4, Matt? Just That's let's true. keep going with the lightning round. Yeah. Um, it's using the new platform. It's the the Subaru Global platform. It's essentially that legacy that showed up in um, what's it called in Chicago. What's well, like and a smaller ascent? Actually, there's something about the the Outback. It's not the uh, – yeah. It, okay. Sorry. I'm getting caught off guard and I'm not – I should stop talking what I should think. <laughs> Ascent has the 2.4 turbo as well. Okay. And this vehicle has the 2.4 turbo. It has the two-stage X mode that is found on the Forester. I think the smaller um, vehicle – the small, smaller size of it in comparison to the Ascent will lead it to drive more like the Forester, which is a positive thing, and the additional power – that's found in the Ascent, put in that smaller package, will make it a better vehicle. I really hope we get a Forester XT. That, this is the hope that I have. I don't think so. I think we're going to be stuck with this um, Outback. I think it's going to be called the Outback XT, perhaps. And I think it's a good... I think that's fine. I think Outback is the essence of Subaru. And Wow. What? I, 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 
you think it's fine? I mean, Essence of Subaru, dude. Why? Why not? It's the same platform. Why not give us the vehicle that we've had for so long? I mean, it's not like it's not like it's a radical thing to suggest a Forester XT. I well, mean, they they're... had a Forester XT, and nobody bought it. So I'm why sure do no one it? was buying the Outback XT either. People were buying the six-cylinder Outback. No, I'm not talking about the six-cylinder. There was an XT. This is the same thing. One. This is the, this is the six-cylinder is being replaced by this turbo. No, they used to have a turbo XT version of the Outback. Hmm. And and they had the six bring back that nameplate. They had the six cylinder one as well. I don't dead know what air, to say. total dead I don't know air. What to say. Confrontation, which is the best <laughs> outback. We don't, don't have time for that podcast. We don't. Okay, and another. I've, big, I've owned one outback and it had no turbos. Or I also have an outback and it has no turbos, <laughs> but it has a manual and this one has no manual. So oh, what the that's heck? True. Um, it has a automatic door opening function. You wave your hand in front of the Zubra logo and then it, the door opens. Like from the inside? From the outside. Oh, okay. Okay, and the other car that I saw was the Hyundai Venue, which is Hyundai's Nissan Kicks competitor. Wait, is this and Lightning it, Round Part 4? And Yeah. Okay. And the we both like the Kicks. It was a lot of fun to drive. It's very affordable. It's nice. I think Hyundai has is not going to let that slide. They want to be in they want to be mentioned where the kicks is mentioned. And this venue is very good. In fact, I drove it very briefly during my trip to Seoul uh, with Hyundai and Kia for the Sonata and Seoul EV. I drove the venue. I can agree that it is a very um, responsive car. It feels just like the kicks would. It's a, it feels a little bit um, more robust, a little bit less uh, what's the word I use to describe the the kicks. I think I would call the kicks Whimsical? cheap feeling. No, oh, yeah, the interior feeling. especially. And I think hardware. I think is the is the the term. Yes, the venue does not have that feeling, and does not look like it'll be in the same in the same way as uh, as the kicks. So if you're disappointed with the way that the kicks felt uh, feels as a you know a car to live in, not just to drive, it's you'd probably want to wait for this Hyundai venue. That's what I got for your. New York Auto Show coverage. Lightning round completed. I think that was a pretty good one. And you know what? Um, that brings us to the end of today's podcast, this week's podcast. What, what are we going to be talking about next week, Sammy? Next week, I've got the Nissan Altima with all-wheel drive. And I'm going to be comparing that to a Honda Accord 1.5 Turbo. Okay. And I'm going to be talking about the new BMW 3 Series, which Sammy drove uh, several months ago at the launch. And I've had the chance to spend a week with it and live with it. And I've got some ideas. <laughs> You're not going to spoil it for us, eh? I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. So for the folks out there who haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, I really, really suggest you do. But I have no real reason for you to. Um, but I will tell you how you should subscribe to the podcast. Go to our website. It's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, all one word. When you get to the website, you will see a bunch of links at the top of the site that will allow you to uh, subscribe to, your pod- to this podcast using your favorite podcast client. So if it's Google Play Music or Google Podcasts or Spotify or if it's iTunes or whatever other Apple product you have. Whatever podcatcher you've got, we can handle you. We got it. We're on there. So you can search for us in those podcatchers as well if you don't want to go to our website. We're out there, okay? The other thing that you can do, you can go to our website. Uh, You can also go to Facebook. Search for us there, Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and you can like us. You can see all of the updates on our latest episodes, and you can like and subscribe um, all of the updates that we provide. Additionally, 
you can get in touch with us either through Facebook, through the website, or uh, our social media channels. Yeah, if you want to get a hold of Sammy, he prefers Twitter because he has an extremely thick skin. And you can reach him at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Whereas you can find me on Instagram, where people are just generally friendlier and, and more willing to be human beings. And I'm at Hunting Benjamin. Or you could email me the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com, or send smoke signals, or Morse code, or semaphore. All of these are acceptable ways to get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. We love hearing what you think of the episodes and suggestions for future episodes. Carrier pigeons as well. Also, no, no carrier ben, pigeons. This is just so dirty. For the guys that are still listening to the end of the podcast, Ben was really, really uh, – he got really dejected when he read that review that says Ben is just really mean to Sammy all the time. So if you want to correct that by uh, sending a review on iTunes, that would go a long way. Wow. Uh, I'm definitely going to cut that out. So ah! – That will be edited, and thank you very much for listening, and we hope to have you back next week. Aw, why won't you cut that?